Hey moms, welcome to Moms in the Know. I'm your host, Jennifer Zuniga. My guest today is Dayan Stanchev. Dayan was born and raised in Bulgaria, where he attended traditional school like most kids. He said it was a waste of time and he doesn't feel like it prepared him for real life. Over the past 10 years, Dayan, an IT specialist, has lived in Germany, Poland, Denmark, Ireland, the US, and now the UK. As a father of a four-year-old, he is looking for an alternative to, to, to traditional education and has created the podcast, Love of Learning, Homeschooling and Children of the Future. Welcome, Dayan. Welcome and thanks uh, for having me here. Yes. So, gosh, you've been moving around for the last 10 years quite a bit. What, what uh, gave you that opportunity? Was it work? I'm more like I wanted to experience different cultures and see how people live in different countries and at the same time work wow. and uh, learn from everything around me and at one point of time go back to Bulgaria and apply it there. I see. And how, um, so how, did you live like two years, two years, two years or did you spend more time in one particular spot? Yeah, it was more like like uh, two, three years at one place yeah? Yeah. and then move, move, move on. So, where was your favorite so far? My favorite place I've been so far was uh, uh, Copenhagen, yeah, Denmark. I lived there for a year and I must say it's a very special place. And if you haven't been there, I would suggest it's amazing. Scandinavia is amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go. I haven't been there. I'm definitely going to go. Uh, so, where was your son born? The, uh, in Northern Ireland. Okay. In Northern Ireland, and, and I must say there that the, the medical staff and, uh, and the, the birth itself was really, really nice. Uh, the ladies were good and it was a very nice birth and I was allowed to stay there and help. So was it a home birth? It's, it wasn't a home birth, but it felt like it was a home birth because oh. I, I didn't feel there were many other women in the hospital. It was just... A, a hospital for giving birth. It sounds like it was really special for you. It was, it was, yes. Exactly what I dreamt of. Wonderful, wonderful. Honestly, you don't hear that many experiences like that, you know, of giving birth. From a man's perspective, that's great. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a special, a special moment and I'll uh, encourage uh, all men to take part of this moment with their women to be next to them and support them as they should be doing all the time. Yeah, beautiful. So, okay, well, I'm gonna get right down to it because for some people that might be a radical statement, you know, how you say that traditional schooling was a waste of time for you. So I I'm, I'm, would love to hear, tell me about that. Yes, uh, not completely a waste of time, but from a knowledge perspective, it didn't prepare me for life uh, to be ready to, get working or to be ready to deal with people, to be emotional, intelligent, uh, to give me the skills to work with money and invest with my own money mm. and to be okay with myself and to be exploring myself and find quickly solutions to the issues that come. So I think lots of those things were missing, but we maybe I think it's mainly because we covered things like uh, like mathematics, like something more materialistic point of view. We cover more, more materialistic point of view in uh, education. And I think this should change. We should cover more art, more like nature, more like uh, emotions. And the other thing is you have one teacher, we were like 25, 30 children. It's not really possible to pay good attention to everybody. And when you have also the bullies, uh, it becomes a little bit of a nightmare for some people at school. The which one? If you have lots of bullies in school. Oh, the bullying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, is it's, that a problem uh, you think, um, or was it a problem when you were growing up in Bulgaria? It was. It was because um, in Bulgaria there are a lot of tough boys, let's say, at school, who are using their force on on the other children, and it's a very very common thing. Not only in school, on the streets as well. Yeah, I think it's maybe, maybe culture, cultural thing. I don't know. I'm not sure about the states. Are there any lots of bullies at school there, or it's just one? Or it's two? definitely a problem. 
Yeah, it's definitely easy. a problem. And it's, it's um, you know, and it's, it can be very subtle also, which, which has just, just as much damage. You know, you have your, um, you know, the clicks, you have the maybe kids who feel left out and, uh, you know, even, you know, without knowing, I think teachers can kind of perpetuate that. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a whole culture that I don't think we really um, have dealt with enough. Yeah. We're trying to though. I know people are trying to, you know, the administrations are trying to um, address it, but it's, it's hard. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't know how you do. I, I think my opinion on this is that things needs to happen at, at, at home. Mm. So the first three years, if the parents are aggressive, and there's a lot of arguments the first three, five, six, seven years, everything goes into subconscious mind of the child. Uh, uh, as I've learned from Bruce Lipton. And uh, then when the kid goes to school, it just applies the principles uh, he or she has learned at, at home. So the number one step is uh, to have a good environment at home, but you need to have the right consciousness you want to achieve this despite all the problems you have with your partner and in life so yeah it's a lot of self uh, self-development i think before either someone should have a child i think yeah i feel like i did a lot of self-development after having kids <laughs> i mean that's that, that, that's still good. Yeah. yeah yeah you know i, I like um I agree with you that teaching emotional intelligence to children and yeah, it has, it has to come up from the parents, but if it doesn't, then maybe in schools it's, you know, it can be taught. And I think it is starting to be taught more about mindfulness. Do you know about that? Uh, mindfulness. Yeah, about mindfulness, mindfulness for children. Somewhere, uh, I think I read the Dalai Lama said that if children were taught meditation, when they were eight, then uh, all the brutality in this earth will slowly disappear. And I think uh, meditation is a nice way to get together children and parents and have them more accepting things around them instead of reacting to things around them. And it's a whole process of self-development that takes practice and it takes time. It needs to be done every day, every day yeah and it's a pretty it's pretty straightforward meditation it's not something fancy or something forbidden or something dangerous uh, to me meditation is just being quiet with yourself and just monitor your breath or listening to the to the winds or to the listening to the to the water falling around in the river and then at that point of time you get separated from your thinking and emotions of course you you have some some thoughts coming in your mind but then you notice that those thoughts are not coming from yourself but there is a, another source from the thoughts and that's our subconscious mind mm -hmm. people and, call it say the ego yes ego ego subconscious mind and or basically the first seven years yeah yeah i've heard that too the first seven years and that makes me feel really guilty because <laughs> I didn't start a lot of my work until after I had the kids. They're already after seven years. So Yeah, but it's it's never too late. It's never too late. There there are ways we each one of us can reprogram ourselves. And there is one book I can I can suggest. It's a John Kehoe, Mind Power for Children. Oh and John, John Kehoe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. John Kehoe, he has mind power. And then he has mind power for children. He, basically, he's teaching the parents how to approach children in order to develop their inner power while they grow up. Wait, and say that again. Say that again. Uh, how how they can reprogram how can, can, they can program themselves by uh, good attitude towards life and towards themselves, positive affirmations that everything is possible instead of everything is ne negative and bad and have a good mindset on on life because this is some, the most important thing for the child is to have a good positive mindset on mind see things as challenges that uh, he or she is going to overcome instead of problems that they're going to bring him down that's great um it kind of i was going to bring this up 
later in the conversation, but I feel like it's, I want to talk about it here. It's the work of, you know, I know you're familiar or you've read uh, Bruce Lipton and also Joe Dispenza and just the power of our thoughts and our minds and how what we think we can uh, then create our um, reality with our thoughts. This is something what I think we should educate our children that we must be very cautious of the way we think and because the thoughts creates the emotions in our body. So if we have a lot of negative thoughts, we're going to have lots of negative emotions. Uh, and then it's a bad end for everybody in the family. Uh, how, we can, how we can do that? Uh, just by example. So if we are always positive, I try to, what I try to do is when I'm around my son, I try to be happy all the time. Uh, even, even if I'm not very in, in the mood, I just try to put a subtle smile on my, on my face. And this creates my all inner world quickly and makes me happy. So if we have this uh, as an example to our ch children to be happy, positive uh, uh, outcome of problems, and that each one is a challenge that helps us grow and become better with it, then there'll be very good uh, solution finders instead of problem creators in the future. And there'll be good examples for other children and other parents. So if we're not feeling happy, you're saying, okay, you know, you try to be happy and you, and when you actually sounds like make yourself smile, that you exactly can actually, it actually the physical manifestation of that smile can then bring happiness to you. That's exactly what I meant. And I, I realized that's when I was thinking about the, the Mona Lisa smile. Because you can see, you can see her, her eyes are a bit sad, but she has this smile. And I was thinking, why did he do that? Why did he portray her like that? And then I, I realized that it's because, although she might feel sad, she puts the smile and this, then the sadness just goes away automatically. And this is what I've tried as well. When I put a smile and suddenly I have this nice feeling in the heart. I think everybody has that. Focus on yeah. the heart, put the smile. So a couple of things I want to... Um addresses i also think it's important to teach our kids like you say emotional emotional intelligence and our emotions also include you know sadness anger fear i mean a, a lot of negative emotions so i also when i was uh raising my kids thought it was important not to stifle my emotions but just if i was mad yeah i'm angry this makes me angry you know, isn't it okay to be angry? I mean, that's a powerful emotion. If we learn how to use it, it can actually propel maybe a child who's been bullied at school, that anger can propel them, you know, to say no more or something. I don't know. Um, as long as it's not like a one or two hours or even a week's of anger. Yes. Then, then it's okay. If it's just, if you just notice that you're angry, feel the emotion and accept it uh and then in one two minutes you're okay with that then it's okay but if it's like a continuously happening again and again and again uh, that anger is coming for different right. all the time then i don't think it's a good uh, teacher it becomes a cycle it becomes a cycle and then uh, a very good exercise for because i have also anger problem <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, i get easily angry not easily, but from some people, I get easily angry. And, uh, <laughs> okay, you're human. I'm talking to a human. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then I decided, okay, my worst emotion I feel is anger. Uh, and then the, thing, uh, the next stage is, which are the thoughts that provoke the above emotion? Anger. And then, for example, for me, someone is doing something to me that hurts me or offends me. Someone is not being respectful to me or someone is doing things not the right way according to me and I judge them and it creates anger in me. And then the other thing is what emotions are connected with it and how I react. And I react by saying things I regret to prove the other person is wrong. I start over arguing, I don't accept and I judge. And when I have this list of emotions, thoughts that create the emotions and what I do after I have the emotion and the thoughts that create the emotions, and then I'm conscious about those things and I'm looking 
I'm looking what I'm going to have these thoughts. And when I have it early, I say, I don't like this thought anymore. It's going to create my anger in me and I'm going to react to it. So it creates this uh, conscious, uh, this thinking and monitoring all my thoughts about anger and stop them before they even manifest. Even stop, stop them if someone tries to get me frustrated in the beginning and I communicate, okay, now I'm getting a bit angry. Is it okay to treat me a bit better? And it's a good exercise. Yes. And your negative emotion, thoughts that provoke it, and then how you react and look for them. Yeah, so studying your thoughts. Yes, yes, as and, much as possible. Yeah, I, I've learned to do that, and I think it gets easier as we practice with, that. Of course, with and everything. So how can we teach that to our kids? Because that would be a beautiful skill. Now, uh, with age appropriate, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how we teach them, we teach them, uh, again, like with exercises, what I'm saying. Uh, we can teach them, for example, if we want to remind them, okay, do, do you remember when we went to your grandmother, how she, she was happy to see you? How did you feel? Did you feel love in your heart? So this is love. This is how you feel and you can create it every time when you think about your grandmother, even if she's not here. And by little small examples like that, you can create for each emotion. For joy, you can say, did you, do you remember when we watched that movie? How did you feel about it? Asking questions, how they feel? Uh, why do, do, they, do they think they feel this way? And uh, never, never judge or op opinionate, put, trying to put our opinion on them because they have their own and they need to have their own opinion and we need to protect it and encourage it. So yeah. being supportive and yeah. being like more like a f their best friends because children don't come to us for parents to imply their uh, dreams that they haven't come true. They come to us as uh, teachers and people who we need to protect and help them grow. Yeah, but yeah, my kids have really taught me a lot. Everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a different yes. person now. <laughs> Especially, I think kids teach us how we uh, love unconditionally. Ah. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is difficult to experience in other situations. Mm hmm. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go back to because it just. Um, Again, when I've been, had an emotion, a strong emotion, whether you know it's sadness or fear or anger with my kids, I've, you know, when they were younger, I would say, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now. And this feeling is it's a feeling and it will pass. This is how I'm feeling right now. Because they would say, Why are you, you know, if I had a tense voice? Why are you saying that? Or why, you know, then I would say, because I'm angry. I feel angry right now. This is my feeling, you know, so I've tried to identify it. And actually just even for myself, when I identify the feeling, then it helps ease it, you know? Um, That's a very good yeah. example. And with, with kids, like when we can say, um, I remember with a, um, you know, one little boy who was feeling, I think he was feeling angry. I think his sister did something. He was a friend who was visiting. And I said, you know, you're really angry, but he was maybe three or something like that. And he's like, and I could just, he couldn't say, yeah, I'm angry. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I said, you know, let's go punch the punching bag. You know, instead of beating up on your sister, let's go punch the punching bag. <laughs> so oh, he was yeah. punching the punching bag. And of course that kind of let those feelings subside a little bit. So when we have, when our kids have those feelings, um, how do we explore them with them or help them figure that out? Especially for like bullies, actually, when we were talking about bullying, how can we, how can we empathize with the bullies enough to teach them about how their behavior, you know, is actually hurting them too? Yeah, what I, try, what I say to my son is that, um... Everyone, there is a reason for everyone to react in this way. And we all are um, in, in deep in us, we all are good people. So probably this boy has problems at home 
that is bringing to school, but actually that boy is a very good boy and he really needs to be loved and to be cared about. And uh, we should be more like forgiving because uh, we, we have this information when we, 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 know, we know that uh, he has issues, uh, aggressive issues, and that's why he's bullying other people and he needs help. And we can only help yeah. by trying to be good with him despite despite uh, being aggressive with us. It's a, it's a tough way to approach to projects like that, but I think it's better to approach with good than approach with bad, because I tell him if he hits you and then you hit back, it's not a good example. Then he's going to hit again and it's not going to end. It's better to approach with love and kindness. But it's, uh, it's, a, yeah, it's a long way from explaining to actually the kid to feel it. Mm. Yeah, with bullies, it's difficult because you, you are afraid of them. Right. You're afraid. I remember just being as a, you know, child on the playground. It's a scary place, you know, being, you know, depending on your situation. But if you're in a big school with a lot of kids and the playground and it's scary. So, you know, you're just, uh, at least I was scared as a kid on the playground, you know, not even scared, but wondering, you know, you don't want to look bad, you want to wear the right clothes, you want, you know, you don't want to draw attention to you, you don't, you know, you try to fit in. So, um, but all those behaviors, I think, are, you know, driven by this fear of being, you know, not loved, right? Not accepted. So it's easy for us, I guess, you know, for adults to, um, look at that and think oh well they could do this or they could do that or we could do this we, it looks very easy but it's it's challenging which then yeah go ahead what i'm what i'm saying is that uh, i try to give him a lot of confidence affirmations mm. so i'm saying confidence affirmations all the time you are the strongest you are very good you are very kind with people uh, be beautiful and uh, very smart uh, whatever small thing he, he's doing, I, I'm, I'm always acknowledging and praising for this kind words that creates the character. And when we go together in the playground, I get his hand and we go together uh, to another girl and introduce him to her. Mm -hmm. And this way I show them it's good to introduce to each other and play together. Uh, because when I ask him, okay, go and play with this girl, he says, no, 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 I don't want to. <laughs> And I said, do you want me to come with you? And he says, yes, come with me. And then we do it together. And this way, by an example, I teach him how to approach other children and become friends and always uh, help, help uh, weaker ones. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. nice. And it's, you know, encouraging our, believing in them, believing in them and, you know, letting them know, because we might see how beautiful they are and how wonderful they are. But unless we tell them, they might not hear it. They might not know it. That's right. There are like a five or six love languages of the children that we need to talk to. And if we think that we are doing everything for our children, but we are not providing the love language that it needs, for example, human touch, if we provide money, if we, if we provide with our time, but we never touch them, and actually the child really needs the physical touch mm -hmm. for, for, for that particular child, and then it, it will subconsciously feel not loved. So we need to find out as early as possible which are the, which is the main love language for the child and try to talk it as much as possible. Uh, so the love languages are like a physical touch, uh, being in the present moment, like uh, being talking to the child, uh, playing together. Uh, the third one is um, which. There, there are like two, three more. I'll tell you a yeah. bit later. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about which one. Was it. Um, also, acts of services. Acts of services. You do some acts of services. Oh, acts of service. Uh huh. You do something for you do something for your child, or uh, gifts. Mm. Gifts is also a love language for the child, which we need to speak to him to feel loved. So the the two the two most important thing according to me to teach our children is. Uh, for the first thing we can give them to feel loved and the, 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 the second one is the skill to be happy, to be joyful, 
and they can be they can live in happiness only if we are happy so first we need to teach ourselves to be happy around our children it's almost like we need to go to school <laughs> we need to, <laughs> After go to, go to school, school we need to go to another school to learn how to yes. be yes. Mm -hmm. yeah that would be nice if we have like a one or two weeks per uh two days uh, two, two hours yeah two days right. per, per, i wonder if we have that book mothering for dummies you know those <laughs> books <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay, so what I, I'm wondering about um, your education, your school experience when you were growing up. You went to a traditional school, it sounds like. Yeah, I went to traditional school with, um, my, I was studying the usual mathematics, biology, physics, chemistry, literature, very little art, very little music. So we get only one hour per week art and one hour per week music and one hour per week physical education. But on top of that, we are studying lots of mathematics. Uh, we are studying uh, A plus B square, how much it is, which actually I've never used in my real life. <laughs> we studied chemistry, which I've never used in my real life. Physics, never. Uh, the, the only good thing I learned at school is uh, the English language. Mm -hmm. And of course, being around children. Yeah. being around children so my i think the best the best way to have schooling is to have something between homeschooling and public schooling and we reduce the the materialistic point of view and we increase like the creative part of schooling uh, like arts like music like uh, like nature like uh, astronomy uh, Lots of like, I don't know, even even different study different religions in a good way, not stick to one religion. If you're if you're going to religion, study them all. Uh, in yeah. literature and, and like uh, how, how how to eat, how to eat, uh, how to to behave in nature, maybe herbs, uh, how to cook. Uh, it would be nice to teach the children at ten how to cook, and then there is someone to help you, isn't it? <laughs> And, and, and they'll be doing it with much, they'll be much more interested in doing it because it's something new. Mm -hmm. And they're helping in the family. Yeah, that was, a, that was one of the mistakes I made is when I would be cooking and, you know, the kids would come in and they'd want to help, but mm -hmm. invariably they would always make just a big mess and they would make my life harder in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. So I was like, "Oh, you guys go play." No, 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 no. Let me just do this. <laughs> when now I'm like, "Why didn't I let them cook?" Because I do. I see friends of mine when their uh, children will just go make their own food, or <laughs> like, I could have done that a little bit better. Although now my kids are grown, so now they have gotten into cooking. But I'm talking about you know when they were like teenagers. Yeah, yeah. We, we, there, there's always things that we can do better. Yeah. that we could have done better but i think at that point of time we did what we could with our potential and that's why i would love to become i would love to go back and be again 15 with the same mindset but it's not possible so right. it's very important for us to forgive and accept when we do something wrong because we're, we cannot be in our prime power all the time sometimes we feel weak sometimes we are angry sometimes we are anxious about work or we have issues at home or with a friend and we can be 100 percent all the time and it's okay yeah as long as we know this and we don't judge ourselves yeah and how so how do you forgive yourself for uh, yeah how, how i would I, I don't know i've never judged myself so that i have to forgive it's never happened to me that I have judged myself too strongly and then I didn't have to forgive myself. I just accept that I'm a human, I make mistakes. And for example, let's say if I, if I, when I was smoking, uh, I, I tried to stop, try, try, but then you start again, then you stop again and you start again. And then I don't feel I'm weak or something bad about me. It's just, I'm just trying, I need to try harder. It's okay to fail from the first time then try again and again and again and then it works at one point of time mm -hmm. just don't give up and accept yeah um you were talking about the arts in school and the importance of 
you know, art and well, you said astrology and music. And I, I agree, it's almost like wrapped up in those artistic studies are our emotions, how we can teach our children emotions. You know, do you see that correlation? I haven't thought about it, but now, now I see it. Yeah, because you look at the famous artists, or not even famous artists, but just, you know, when they paint, they're very connected. I would, I suspect, I'm not an artist, but I did used to dabble a little bit as a kid, but, <laughs> but you know, when we, they, it's expression, art is expression. Expression. So took that away from our kids, like back, I, I don't know when they started, you know, taking art away, but they did at some point in the curriculum, at least here in the States, they didn't value art as much. And it sounds like maybe the same there, I don't know, because Bulgaria is a very artistic community, isn't it? Culture. It, yes, it used to be. It used to be with yeah. art and artists, uh, but slowly, I think through education and through the last 30 years of democracy, uh, things change. And I think it's global thing. Uh, the people in power need uh, people to work like robots and not think too much. Not They don't need critical thinkers because they might create problems and are not very easy to manipulate. And uh, thank God we are still in that time where we, we still have good education from our pasts. But let's say in 30, yeah. 40 years, if it continues like that, and especially with, uh, uh, with all the technology, which is actually taking the creativity out of children and the way of thinking out of, of the children from early age and are super addictive. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end. Yes, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, when you look back when philosophy used to be, you know, a big deal, I mean, people would study philosopher and all the philosophy and all the great philosophers and just question and think and, you know, right, the arts and creativity and music and yeah, it's being replaced, like you said, with technology. And I kind of feel like, you know, programming, you know, where our kids are being programmed by what they watch. It is exactly in, in school and through, uh, the platforms like YouTube, children are really, really programmed for not being very good in not not being good problem solvers and critical thinkers. I think. And right now, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that it's that we should take as parents the schooling of our children in our hands and don't allow everything that happens to school, in school to be the, the way they sh they're shaped. We need to be the role model for them. And yeah. it, it doesn't matter if they're like five or 15 or 20 or 25, anytime you can step in and become become their best friend and being the, the best person they can look into and being the best example, being the best version of yourself. Because I, I think life is about ever learning to have love, to educate your children and yourself the love of learning and never stop learning. Yeah. Right. So basically right. I was reading books up to eight, 10 years, I was reading novels. And then at one point of time, I, start, I stopped reading fictions and novels and I just started reading books that are going to become, that are going to make me better person, uh, um, better with my emotions, let's say better in handling people, better with my health, better in um, education. What propelled you to start educating yourself in that way? Uh, I think what, what started was in 2008, my dad got a stroke. And up till then I was kind of protected by my family. And then I realized that if this, something like that can happen when, to him when he was in his power of 51, 52, something like that can happen to me. And I started reading books on self-development and health, especially health, how to not get sick and prevent going to the doctor because I've been, let's say in the last six, seven years, I've been four or five times to the doctor and every time it's been very disappointing. They don't know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, they, they don't know anything. Just, you just test, test mouse for them. Okay, try this. Okay, this won't work. Try this. Okay, it doesn't work. It's not. Not like that. Yeah, you have to take responsibility. 
yeah, yeah. and that's why I think every every one person should learn about how to keep himself or herself healthy. This is really really important. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Lots of doctors use Google for for making uh, suggestions or checking what the diseases, the symptoms are. This happened to me a couple of times. I ask them, I, I, I tell them what's my problem, and I see they're like typing, 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 <laughs> searching for something. Well, I think um, we have so much chronic disease in the world now, and uh, it's it's harder to you know, diagnose, if you have a broken arm, you know, everybody says, yeah, you go to the hospital, get it fixed. But if you have, you know, a little pain here and a little pain there or a headache, it's hard to figure out what it is, especially when we're living in such a toxic soup and we have so much stress and we're living under so much fear. <laughs> yes. 5G and we just, you know, we, we don't know. Doctors, I really, I mean, I have to say I feel for them because um, it's a lot easier just to prescribe a drug that they were trained to prescribe for the symptoms than it is to try and figure out where these started, where the symptoms started. Um, what I found out from my research is uh, the number one thing that needs to be in good shape is the liver. Because mm. the liver is the actual purifier of all, all the toxins in your body. So if you have, we need to we need to have good liver and good colon, and there are some purification practices for the liver and for the colon, and from there, if you do it like for like say two or three times in a row, and then from there your health will greatly improve. And on top of that, if you don't put lots of toxins in your body, like um, you eat organic, organic food, or or if you eat meat, eat like a grass-fed, good organic meat. Yeah. It's really, really important what we put in our body because it, when I, I'm, I'm, I'm vegan, I was vegetarian and before that I was eating everything. I was eating meat and I remember when I was vegetarian and for a while I went to eating meat again and I noticed I was getting much more angry, much more quicker when I was eating meat. And I write in a couple of places that when they kill, let's say the lamb, and the lamb is afraid and it gets into the meat. And then when you eat it, it you absorb it as well. And then I realized it makes sense. I really felt it in myself. Mm, interesting, interesting. And the other idea I have about uh, governing of the world is if we have uh, women ruling over the world, it will be much, much better and safer place and much easier. Uh, the first, the first um, religion on, on earth 10,000 BC was uh, the religion for the mother goddess so it was um, uh, the, the women were ruling ruling the village oh. and, uh, and the men were going uh, with their uh, lambs and with their pasture, going pasture the, the cattle and they were coming back and at that point of time from 10,000 BC till 6,000 BC when women ruled the community there were no wars there, there were no, they didn't find any killings, any graves, any people that died from stabbings. And uh, there were no cities with walls. So there was no need of walls to feel protected from something. And at one point of time, five, 6,000 BC, then the men started ruling over the world. And we know lots of wars that up till today, they don't stop. And when you see the people rule the world, most of them are met and are very egocentric met men, let's say in the USA, in the UK, even in Russia. Everybody is like a macho man. Yeah. I don't think, I, I wouldn't like my country to be ruled by macho, macho men. I would like to be ruled by a caring woman, for example, who, who is empathic and knows what will happen to people and how they'll feel. And this is what we're missing, mm. women in power. Yeah, young moms. We need young moms to rise up. Yeah. It's, I, I feel that I feel it could be a, um, you know, a big shift in the world if uh, yeah, women owned their power. Mm -hmm. and, and it's needed, it's needed. And I think women need to develop that constantly uh, because in my opinion, women are much more um, 
valuable to society than men. More what? More, more valuable to society valuable. than men. Yeah. They give, they give birth, they educate the children to be caring, and then those people become the next citizens. Wasn't it the, yeah, it was the Dalai Lama who said it'll be the, what did, how did he put it? It would be the Western woman who saves the world. And I think probably because maybe uh, Western women, we have a little more freedom, well, a lot more freedom than other parts of the world. I hope so. Uh, and I think it will, it will definitely start happening maybe in the next 50, 60 years. Uh, I think women are stronger than men. Maybe not physically, but emotionally, they are much stronger. Um, uh, even they have better threshold for pain and they are better connected to the invisible world. They say, uh, that's why they say that women have better intuition. So women are much, much stronger than men and they should start using it soon, I hope. I wish I could just fast forward, take a quick peek <laughs> into the future and see how it all turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Back to homeschooling, um, you were saying that you think the best uh, way maybe for your son that you're talking about would be a little of both traditional and alternative. Is that what you meant? How would you do that? What would that be like? I don't know. Maybe maybe a couple of days go to a schoolmates from homeschoolers, two, mm -hmm. three days like that. Uh, maybe hire a teacher and divide the curriculum so that it covers both emotions, uh, arts, and everything that's needed for the usual curriculum. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something to be thinking about. Yeah. There are a lot more uh, people are homeschooling now in the United States. I, I think um, even before the pandemic, a couple million people, kids that's are being a lot. It's a lot. I think, yeah, I need to double check that statistic, but it, there are a lot of people homeschooling okay. and some of them, families like the kids can still be involved in the school sports because sports are a big, you know, part of school here in the States. So is that the case in Bulgaria, the sports? Are they? It's not as big, not as, big as in, in the States, but we still have, we still have sports, but maybe it's 10%. In America, it's like a super, almost semi-professional in, in the college. Yeah. yeah. With us, I remember when I was in university, the, you know, the sports was not very well touched. Mm. Uh, there, was, there were no coaches. Yeah, it's very intense here. It's interesting. In some ways, it's good because it's, um, you know, it can be very physical, but well, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but other ways, you know, I think we do sacrifice something when we, involve our kids too much in sports like i did i think there should be <laughs> everything i did i did <laughs> i did wrong not wrong but <laughs> it, it just it, yeah, everything happens for 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 a reason and mm -hmm. whatever happens that's the best thing that could have happened i also think i shouldn't have spent 10 years going out every every week <laughs> and uh, wasting my time in uh, useless uh, conversations, for example. But that was the time for that. And I could have handled my time as well. But it's, it's okay. Yeah. What was your mother like as a mom, uh, as a woman? Yeah, she was working a lot and trying to hold the family together. And also always, always uh, there for me. But well, we weren't very emotionally uh, matched together or we didn't have she didn't show her emotions a lot mm. and was trying to be strong all the time but she has always been together she has always been there for me and helping me and being a good example and uh, yeah she was a very good example for me did you have a do you have brothers and sisters no i don't have I'm, I'm single child, yes. Yeah, so all eyes on you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Everyone says uh, single child is cold, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think single children are special because they spend a lot of time alone. And back in the days, there wasn't, we didn't have TV with 50 channels. It was only one channel. We didn't have computers with internet. So you are alone by yourself with your books and all when you go out with friends. 
Did you have a lot of young friends? I mean, when you were, you know, elementary school age? And yes, yes, yes. I had lots of friends and I, ch I moved to different schools. So I changed four schools and each for the first 12 years. Oh. And I think it's a good experience. You go to a new place, you meet new people, you learn from them, and then you go to another place, you live. And maybe that's why I'm moving, moving like that. I like it. <laughs> uh, change, change uh, is required to, to improve. Mm -hmm. And this is what I do. If I feel I'm stagnant, uh, I push myself and I change something, even if it's not for, even if it's dangerous, even if it's, uh, moving countries, starting from the beginning. I think it's it's good to challenge yourself often. Uh, can you challenge yourself in ways where you're not moving? If you are staying at the same place. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can challenge yourself to wake up at five o'clock and go for a one hour walk and watch the sunrise without your iPhone. It's a good challenge. You can challenge yourself um, to go in the sea when it's the, the sea temperature is 12 degrees. It's a good challenge as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can challenge yourself, for example, not to eat food for the whole day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of challenges you can do, but keep doing it. Yeah, keep doing it. Um, so when I was trying to find out a little bit about you, I came across a YouTube video that you made uh, of the sunrise. It's really, really beautiful. It is. Beautiful. It is beautiful. And out. this is what I read from uh, one teach, Bulgarian spiritual teacher. He was saying when the woman is pregnant, the best thing for the child is uh, the mother to go to uh, in nature with very nice views and just be silent and enjoy the, the views and have these good feelings of uh, awe in front of the nature, amazement uh, in, in the nature. Also the sunrise and the sunsets, if, if the mother is pregnant and goes for sunrises and sunsets and just being uh, silent with her child, this gives lots of energy to the baby. I don't know whether it's true, but it makes sense because whenever I go for a sunrise, the day is different. I have much more new ideas. Uh, I finish them the same day. Small ideas. I don't have some, yeah, something small, finish them the same day. And uh, the whole day is just different story. So yeah. it, it, I challenge you do it once, once a week for two months and you see the difference in your lifestyle. Yeah, so you weren't tired by the time 11 o'clock came around? Um, 11 o'clock in the morning? Yes, yes. By the time, you know, if you wake up at sunset, I mean at sunrise, then yes. by 11 o'clock, it's still. No, it's the, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. You have extra energy. Oh. And you, you just don't, you don't know, you, you can't understand why you have more energy, but you have woken, woken up lots, of, lots yeah. earlier. And then you go to sleep at what time? At 10, 11 o'clock, I always go to, I always try, try to go to bed at 10 o'clock, 10, half yeah. 10, because between 10 and 12 is the best time for sleep. Uh, uh, sorry, from 10 till 1 a.m. Those three hours, each is counted for two hours and it's the best time for sleep. Oh, no wonder. So I, yeah, whenever I stay up till, you know, 11 or 12, Mm -hmm. my husband is a night person and I'm more of a morning person then I don't get as you know as good sleep than if I go to sleep at 10 30 or I would I would prefer even 9 30 <laughs> mm -hmm. then I wake up I feel so rested mm -hmm. that's true that's why that's why those are the and you can wake up early like six o'clock and you can have spend some more time in the morning so basically yeah. you get one hour from the evening and put it in the morning yeah yeah you don't lose anything that was one thing also in my house that I did actually write. This is a thing I did write, but um, I was very strict about sleep. And uh, when my kids were sleeping, I would, I would hate to disturb them. If I had to, I would, but I really think that sleep is so important for kids and their developing brain and uh, their it health. Is, it is. Mm -hmm. It's not only for kids, it's for, uh, for, for, 
for the, the grown-ups as well. Yeah. If you have chronic, if you don't have enough sleep chronically, uh, then your brain is not functioning well. And if your brain is not functioning well because it sends all the uh, nerves, um, all the commands to all the organs, mm -hmm. then the commands are not correct if the brain is not in good shape and then the organs are starting to underbehave and underperform and then you have those called chronic illnesses mm -hmm. which could be a lot of things but sleep is really important mm -hmm. because during sleep the liver detoxes i see everything starts from the liver and the brain i think liver brain heart mm -hmm. yeah and these days with um phones uh you know i know kids go to sleep with the phone next to them and that really disturbs their sleep also the quality of sleep and it uh, inhibits uh, a deep rest which then inhibits learning yeah it, it that it's important to i don't know the, the parent to impose control of those things because i know it's easy to give the phone to your three-year-old and then go somewhere and relax for one hour but what happens with with the brain of the child yeah one thing i am curious about is as far as the homeschooling when you get to teenage years i kind of feel like kids naturally want to you know separate from their parents and it can be kind of a trying time so if you're homeschooling i wonder if have you heard about that if, if people who are homeschool or kids who are who are homeschooled if they go through that same kind of rebellious stage in their teens or oh, i'm curious what that looks like I think, yeah i i think it's common it's common for after they are 13 14 because then the ego starts developing mm. and they need to have uh I, I think it's common for all the children it's the same it's the same and the best response response is to accept them as equal because that's the best way to treat your child equal yeah yeah I treat my son uh, as a grown-up as well. You have the little four-year-old son? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I tell him like, uh, you know, you're you're a, you're a big man now. You should you shouldn't behave like that. You're, yeah. you're strong. You're strong. Oh, you, he must you, be really you, cute. You protect. You you are stronger than the others. You protect them. Mm. And. Uh, yeah, when you treat the micro, it gives them more power, more, more um, uh, trust in their own strength, which is important to educate. Uh, I, I'd like to say that it's uh, it might be a little bit uh, in the first when when uh, the woman gives birth. The first years are very very uh, uh, a bit stressful in the beginning, and uh, meditation is a good way for stress management. Uh, the other way for, for uh, to help combat, let's say, depression or mild depression is uh, training your abdominal muscles. So doing crunches, cr training the abdominal muscles and running are very good uh, um, foods against uh, depression and being in nature. Being in nature, the sun rises, sun sets, and also there are some foods that are called adaptogens. Yeah. You can, yeah, those adaptogens normalize the glands, the work of the glands, and are really, really beneficial. So what, what kinds of foods have adaptogens in them? For, for example, uh, what I use, aloe vera powder. Mm -hmm. It also helps uh, grow tissues around the damaged cells. Ashwagandha powder. Ashwagandha, uh, you said? Ashwagandha, yeah. yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Licorice root and uh, ginseng those four you can buy them organic and the thing is to get into the habit of taking them every day for a couple of months and see the difference mm -hmm. and the abdominal um work that you say because you also said breath are you talking about like the deep breathing abdominal like i know there's a certain type of breathing that you can do and yes another another good exercise you can do is uh, or if you have problem if someone has problem with falling asleep uh, light line the bed and just do really really slowly deep breaths maybe for 10 15 minutes or you just count from 50 to 1 and the, the breath needs to be like uh, 
breathe in as much as possible and then breathe again as much as possible and then if a little bit more breathing breathing a little bit more so it's like super super stretched your lung is super stretched hold for a couple of seconds and then you breathe out as much as possible and and try to push your upper stomach to the liver this way you massage your um, organs inside mm. and it's a very good antidepressant it's very good oh, yeah. because it should deep breathe to when you use the lungs fully then over 70 percent of the toxins are um, removed and through let's air, say to breathing yes, yes when through, you breathe. uh -huh, through your breath right yeah to your breath and let's say if you just do shallow breaths with your upper part of the body which we all do then maybe 10 20 percent are removed and the others are stored in different parts of your body it all depends how much uh, how how you eat and what kind of emotions you allow to have in your body yeah and your breathing yeah okay well good that's a good exercise all right well listen i have one more question and i am going to start asking this of all my guests <laughs> okay if you were your mother when you were younger, what single thing would you have done or said to your younger self? It's interesting, very nice question. I haven't thought about it, but maybe I would say to my mother, to myself, to be careful how I spend my time to be careful how I spend my time. Do I want to spend my time time in um, doing things that are not beneficial for you, for, for me, or just wasting time in, um, let's say, watching a three hour movie, or would I like to improve all the time? I would like to teach myself at an early age to be improving myself all the time and learning. Nice. Thanks. I was going to save, save a lot of time and uh, headaches. Yeah. yeah, well, so I said that was my last question, but now I have another one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, just talking about, uh, because I don't want to leave this out when we're talking about learning, but the importance of create, uh, curiosity, you know, children's curiosity. Yes. Such a um, wonderful vehicle to learning. This is what I'm investigating, how to build up curiosity and love of learning of children. And uh, I don't know, what could it be? It's, it's more like when you don't give them answers, but you ask them co the questions as well. Or when they ask questions, you don't give them the answers, but try to help them find the answers themselves. And then after they find it, you praise them and yeah i love it's, that it's, it's important thing to educate your children curiosity yeah i think sometimes we as parents feel like we have to have all the answers and teach them what we know and how we learn things and <laughs> rather than let them use that create curiosity yes so I, mm -hmm. I, I i'd like to use my my son for uh, for a teacher like to to guide you to the places where you where he brings you to learn something new you mean um, a teacher for myself right so in what way in a way that for example they are still when they're in that age one two three four five six there is they're still in that age where they have they remember what they have some some visions i think they see other things the way differently uh, they see things we don't see and they have maybe they have some uh, memories from where they were before they were born mm, yeah. yeah so these things I'd like to learn how it's how it works so basically the children are our teachers not the, the other way around I think yeah 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 I've heard some interesting stories about that about a woman and her son right who is there you probably heard about her her son was talking about his past life and okay yeah yeah, yeah. and, and, and 
Yeah. Yeah. And there was evidence to confirm what he was talking about. I can't remember the name of the book. She wrote a book about it. But anyhow, yeah. And, and this, this gives you a kind of proof that there is something else after you die. Mm -hmm. Because it's one way to live with the mindset that when you die and then it's over. It's another thing is another thing is if you think that when you die then all the good things you've done in the world are going to be measured <laughs> yeah you'd live your life differently yeah well i know tomorrow i'm going to wake up at sunrise <laughs> give it a go give it a go <laughs> so okay well thank you so much for being you know with me here today i love how you can you know zoom and be face to face with somebody in the uk or elsewhere around the world. So I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Uh, thank you also for having me here and having the ability to talk about things I'm passionate about. Thanks. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Bye.